Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 55, we sit down with Adam Gouda from Autani. Cool episode, getting to know Adam and finding out how he got started in the energy industry after a career in geology, believe it or not. Then, of course, be sure to stick around until the end to hear the advice that Adam would give to his 22-year-old self. I think we can all benefit from those words of wisdom. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of the people out there who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're going to really enjoy this conversation between Adam and I, so let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Adam Gouda, who is the Regional Vice President with Autani. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm glad we uh, carved out some time to make this happen. So let's... uh. Let's just dive right into it. If you could tell us about your background, kind of how you grew up and then how you got started or where you grew up rather, and then how you got started in the industry. Certainly. So I grew up uh, in Detroit, Michigan, a little bit north, uh, Troy, Bloomfield Hills, uh, that kind of area. And uh, I'm 46 years old. I went to Western Michigan University, graduated in 97, got my degree in geology, and I was very much uh, on the environmental push uh, during that time. And so I uh, did, did, did ge- geology and then got my minor in environmental studies. And then I went to work out of school for uh, an environmental firm. And I did uh, baseline environmental assessments, uh, kind of phase one, phase two assessments, a lot of delineation on uh, groundwater and soil contamination around the big tent. So I was traveling quite a bit too. And then I kind of found that uh, you know, it was tough to uh, to come out of the field in that industry. And I thought, you know, I could do a little bit better for myself. So I started looking at engineering, which is a little bit more near and dear to my heart. And I took a job with a specifier and I worked with that specifier for about 12 years in downtown Detroit. And that's kind of where I honed my energy skills, my energy efficiency skills, uh, getting my CEM. I did a little bit of project management and a little bit of the QMS for that company too. So I kind of got a nice, well-rounded background while I was there. And then at the time, I had my lighting rep call on me, and he says, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to start my own rep agency here, and I, I think you'd be a great fit to come join. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to do the controls. And I said, okay, I, I got some exposure to that, right, from the CEM and some of the, the uh, energy audit pieces, can, uh, you know, consider lighting control. So I thought, that's great. And then I looked at the LED um, as, as it's coming to the forefront in the industry, overtaking the fluorescent. And you're watching the energy codes become more stringent. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's actually a good place to be. So I, I took a jump from the engineering specifier side over to the agency side, did that for about six years, uh, gained a lot of knowledge, made a lot of great uh, relationships and contacts with people. And then from there, I, I thought the natural step would be to go to a manufacturer and be kind of a regional 
peace for them. And I, and I took that leap and I uh, moved over to Atani probably about four months ago. And I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, loving it. I got a great team. It's a little bit more of that small business mentality, which I think I fit much better in as opposed to the uh, conglomerate uh, structure, you know, that I've, and, I, and I'm being 46, I've had a little exposure to both, so it's good. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my background. Uh, on, on the side for fun, I do a little bit of uh, outdoor activity. I'm a, I'm a runner, uh, a canoer, backpacker, that type of thing. All right. I got a couple of quick questions there. Yeah, so you go. mentioned Western Michigan. Are you a PJ Fleck fan? How do you feel oh, about man, PJ Fleck? Oh man, I love me some PJ. Roll the boat, baby. <laughs> I just Absolutely. read his book. I just Did read you? his book. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of that book? It's, it's titled Row the Boat. Uh-huh. I'll go pick it up. As you'd expect, really quick read. You could kind of you can hear his voice coming off the page. So it's a really quick read. It's good, good stuff. So yeah, you'll have to you have to pick that one up. And then um what type of running? Long distance, ultra yeah. stuff. What are you into? No, no, my body is uh it, it is slowly shutting down, right? <laughs> so no, I'm a maintenance runner. So I would I run 25 to 30 a week, usually between loops between four and six miles a day. And then I still do uh, push-ups and sit-ups, just natural type of exercises because I don't want to put any more bulk on. You know, I'm trying to trying to maintain, Jim. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. No, that's, that's good stuff. All right. So you brought us up to speed. You're at Autani. You've been here for about four months. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to know who Autani is or at least know the name. But if you could, tell us a little bit more about the product offering and how you guys are going to market today. Oh, that's a great question. So I'm extremely excited to be at Autani. Um, and it's really because we are really a total building automation solution. We cover the lighting control piece very well as I would say a baseline. We cover the HVAC and mechanical piece very well uh, as well, I think as a, as a double baseline. And really we're deploying a wireless infrastructure made up of devices uh, you know, typical gateways, managers, and uh, we're controlling uh, lighting solutions in that in that protocol. And then we're able to do a lot of additional things that I think are taking us kind of into that next uh, generation workplace, that next uh, future outlook for controls, which is heavy IoT, right? We're, we're living in an IoT world. I do believe that if you look at your house and most of the listeners that are tuning in right now have an Alexa or some other uh, IoT-based device in their residence. We're going to be moving in that direction on the commercial side really short, uh, shortly, and I believe that Autani is poised to be uh, positioned well in that market. Uh, we've got a great selection of uh, IoT applications related to space utilization, uh, RTLS, asset tracking. We've got uh, Autani Insights, which dives very heavy into uh, looking at how the building is operating. And uh, I think it's an extremely robust solution. And as you look at kind of the, the future, and we're, we're jumping into the next part of the show here. So we talk about IoT. I think there's, there's no doubt that's where the industry's headed. So with that blue ocean that's out there, a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of competition, right? You're not yeah. the only ones that are seeing this. There's a lot of companies that are getting into this space whether that's purely just on the product side, the software side, there is a, I would imagine you're seeing this every day, but it's, it's getting pretty crowded, not a whole lot of elbow room. So what are you guys doing or how have you found that your customer base or your channels that you're selling to 
How was the message best received that, hey, this is how you're positioning yourself. This is how you're differentiating yourself in the market. Uh, it's great. I, I think it's a twofold process. The first is you definitely need to be strong on the baseline piece. So we still need to penetrate those specification markets, those distributor markets, the contractors. We need to be able to get with them and really sell the Autani baseline, which is a very hardy, robust lighting control solution on the wireless side. So be, beyond that, I think you're really getting into the second piece, which is education. And I think that the, the market itself, consisting of those three entities we talked about, right? Your specifier, your distributor, your contractor, throw your end user in there, throw your developer in there. I think all of them need education. They all need to understand what the IoT offering can bring to them as a value proposition, right? So being able to leverage the data, the data is what we talk about in the IoT world every day, and being able to utilize the data in many ways, many use cases, is that message that we need to be educating and spreading. No, I love that. And uh, if, if I could, I mean, this is just my own curiosity at this point, because we hear about data, same thing, right? There, there's oh, yeah. a lot of that that is coming into play. So in your experience or just listening to your customers, what would you say is like the top ranked type of data that they're listening for, looking for? Like, hey, you're bringing us data about our facility. You're bringing us data about our buildings. Like, what are they most curious about? Is it occupancy comfort? Is it foot traffic? You know, you talk about a commercial environment. You know, we got COVID, you know, you got tracking and, and you know, that type of stuff that's uh, more relevant now than a few years ago. So what would you say is like top of the list type of data? Great question. And I, I know would... I'm, I'm asking you hard hitting questions. No, no, here. You're good. This is good. This is good. I'm taking right. notes because uh, right. I got three teed up. The first one I'd say is energy. That's the easy, low hanging fruit that everybody wants still. Give me the energy data, especially if you live in a code uh, region, right, where that MNV is required and you must collect that data. So if someone's forcing you to do something, you're going to do it, right? And that's for the code. So energy, number one, I'd say occupancy data is number two, because we're able to use that data across the HVAC channel, right? And do some setbacks, because when we look at energy efficiency, you know, as well as I do, that if we can affect the mechanical side, we're going to double what we're able to do on the lighting piece. It's just, that's how it works, right? So uh, energy occupancy. And then I would say the third is really that that's, that theft and security piece. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of, especially that light industrial, the manufacturing piece, where they're seeing a lot of theft, a lot of tooling, a lot of pieces being taken from the shop. So what we're seeing is applications on the RTLS where we're tracking those assets, putting that little microscopic button tag on there and we're putting a geofence up on the doors and all the exits. And if that stuff starts to get close then we've got some alarms going off. So I would say that, that that's another great use case is the, is the theft. Well, that's, that's interesting. So you're talking about physically people stealing things from a plant, from an industrial site 100%. versus when I think security, especially with IOT, you start thinking about data breach, right? 100%. Okay. So you're, you're thinking both. From a secure, yeah, from a security standpoint, yeah, because I, I think that's, you know, you can't have this IoT discussion without bringing the security side of things into play, because that's what I, immediately everyone's concerned about, is not only you got to have a great product, but you got to be able to give them that peace of mind that their data, their information is going to be secure, right? And I absolutely, Jim, and I think you could really, there's three buckets to it, right? So I think you you really have three buckets that you can look at. And the first one is real estate optimization. So if we can use data to optimize real estate, 
right? I think that's huge. Obviously, too, is the, the cost of that uh, building as well, if we can drill down on the cost. But if the third and big one is the productivity. If we can utilize this system and the data to increase productivity of people, right? Because they are the most expensive piece of any building. So by helping them, we can actually see significant savings. Uh, if we can improve someone's efficiency by uh, productivity by four minutes a day, you probably heard this stat, Jim, but four minutes a day, we can actually pay for the infrastructure of these types of IoT systems to be put in. Oh, very cool. Four minutes. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that um, that incremental advantage that we're all looking for, right? You know, it's uh, it's not a lot on the surface, but you add that up over time, it could be significant. No, I think that's I think that's good stuff. Well, Adam, what I wanted to do here was just transition to the to last part of the show. We've covered a lot of good content here, but transition to the last part of the show and ask you the same four questions that I ask to every guest who comes on and wanted to lead off with, what are your daily non-negotiables? So much like you, I must have a run. I must start the day with the run. And that allows me to line up everything, prioritize what's happening for the day. Uh, that is an absolute non-negotiable. And then I think another non-negotiable for me is to talk to uh, my team members daily and uh, touching base with them, especially as we break free from our lockdown scenario. It's more and more important to now start physically being able to get with your team, touching them, because that collaborative spirit is uh, is unmatched when you're able to get people together. Yeah, I would agree. And hopefully this, uh, you know, if anyone's listening to this at a later date, you know, we're right at the beginning of August and there's been murmurings of another lockdown that could be happening here, unfortunately, with this uh, COVID thing that doesn't seem to go away. But I'm with you, right? If we could get uh, more in-person meetings, especially with team members set up, I think that's uh, that's vital. So I think that's that's really good there. So next question here, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? So I was listening to some of the prior casts uh, that you had done and, and listened to the response that many gave to this question because I thought it was an important question. And for me, I heard a couple people say this, but not many people said this. I, I would tell myself to relax. I, I'm in general a pretty what, t- tightly wound person, take things very seriously, right? I need to, uh, I think, take a step back and relax. I try now more than ever to put myself in other people's shoes. I try to look at scenarios from multiple angles more than ever. And I think that comes with age and wisdom. Uh, and that approach allows you to make the best decision, I think. Um, so yeah, I would tell myself to relax. Don't force, right? I'm, a, I'm an athlete like you and I watch a lot of football. And when a quarterback forces a throw, it never is good, ever. So don't force, just relax, read the situation. That's what I tell myself, Jim. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, strong family man. So uh, helping my family, the kids. Plus, uh, you know, as you get up in age, you start seeing elders kind of depart. And that gives you motivation right there as well, right? Because you see how precious every day is. And uh, there's no reason not to get after it every day. All right, last question here. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? You know, I think uh, I listened to this one as well. And I, and I think the best way to answer this is just to provide some value words that align with me. And I, and I think that's what people would do after, uh, after you're gone. They're going to think uh, trusted. They're going to think good father. 
You're going to think strong moral fiber, uh, hard worker, dedication. And uh, that, is, that is what I, I want my legacy to be. I want someone to sit around the campfire, see you, Jim, sitting around the campfire, having a, having, a, having a beer and thinking, man, I remember Adam and what a good guy, very trusted. And that's, that's what I'd like. I think that's a perfect way to, uh, to wrap up the show here. So, Adam, thanks for your time and thanks for coming <laughs> on the Building Efficiency Podcast. I appreciate you, Jim. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day and, and we'll do this again anytime. You got it. Okay. See you, man. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it. Episode 55 with Adam Gouda. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoyed listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Shaver, and we'll catch you on the next episode.